In response to some of the notes that were put on the board, I'd like to offer first a little bit of context. Uh, Though it may be clear for the people that knew what they were intending, it may not be clear for the people that didn't know. Uh, Each of the days are essentially presenting different traditions, and so the teachers and leaders are presenting you with different aspects of the same teachings. And yesterday was Theravadan teachings, the way of the elders. And today, Lawrence and I will be offering two hands of uh, Zen teaching, uh, the school that I have practiced and studied in is a Japanese Zen, and Lawrence hails from the Vietnamese tradition, which in all fairness uh, should be addressed as its own name, Tian and uh, not pocketed into the mainstream's fascination with the word Zen. So I'd like to acknowledge that. Mm. I'm a bit of a lazy... Thank you. Yes, and I I have a low, low voice. I'm a bit of a lazy uh, practitioner, certainly, much less someone um, hoping to share some little bit of what I've picked up along the way in this path of no path. I will begin by, uh, and let me just say that I usually don't prepare. That's part of my laziness. This is such an auspicious occasion, it seemed appropriate to do so. So, I spent 15 minutes. (coughs) (laughs) The great way is not difficult. It just avoids picking and choosing. The great way, the great path, is not difficult. It just avoids picking and choosing. Some old Zen guy said that. It's not really important who. You know, we feel it, we know what it means. And uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about it. Since this is both retreat and conference, uh, I will talk a little bit about what brought me to my practice, (coughs) my particular way. Uh, And I had two entries into my practice. The first time 
was really, I fell in love with the beauty and the simplicity uh, often embodied in the art of meditators and particularly, and I just think I have a a Japanese bone someplace in my body. Uh, So for me, particularly Zen, drew my attention, the aesthetics, very lovely, very simple. And then once I arrived uh, to my, and after poking around in lots of different places, um, settled in with my very, very lovely, very dear to me, very all-white Sangha, uh, I was very interested in the challenge of the discipline of doing the hardest part, so showing up. And so, if I may coin a phrase, use a phrase that someone else uses often, irregardless (laughs) of what was in the room, I continued to show up and show up and show up. And it was not without its uh, interesting bumps and scrapes and bruises and run-ins and uh, really painful moments, not so much for what was going on inside of me rather than what was going on outside in the environment. It was hard to keep showing up, to keep being just me, just one, year after year after year. Mm. And then a few years later, I made a discovery, quite by accident, you know, all of the great discoveries are really by accident. Um, My life fell apart. What I thought was my life, what I thought was important to me, my love, my business, my world, it all just, you know, came tumbling down. And it was sitting in rubble at my feet. And of course, I just thought I would die. And there was nothing to do. And there was nowhere to go. But I reached into my pocket you know, my virtual pocket, and uh, realized that I had formed this habit of a practice. And so, with nothing else to do, this habit of practice took over. And so I went to practice. With nothing, naked, really. You know, I had my clothes on, but I was naked and I was raw, and I was, I was in pain. I keep some of it, you know, to make sure that I don't go to sleep, like a little traveling rock, traveling stone. I keep some of that pain very close to me to not forget. 
So I practiced, and this time I, I practiced, I went to a Zen session, which is a very intense retreat. Um, you haven't a moment to breathe uh, other than your breathing. Mm. You're hard put to find time to go to the bathroom. It's quite uh, intense, to say the least. And I had been on them before, but this one was, of course, different because now this one was present to save my life. And I realized that I had spent those previous years practicing for them so they could see me. I'm doing it. Look at me. I was a mountain sitter. You know, my knees would practically be bleeding and I would just sit. But it wasn't for me, you know. It was, it was for all that was going on outside. It was for the challenge. It was for, you know, the interest in being a black woman practicing Zen. Sexy. Mm. <laughs> And, uh, but when I went back, I went back and my practice became mine and I was disinterested in anything else and anyone else and what they thought and what anyone thought and what I thought. It all fell away. And I won't uh, go deeply into it. I will just uh, share, there was a moment Uh, in which I released a very, very old uh, blame and guilt that I had been holding and that I had been proving myself against for my entire life. And it just, in the midst of this practice, it just fell away. And so there I was, up in the woods, uh, with 35 white folks, and I'm sitting on my cushion, and there are tears streaming down my face, you know, snot running down my nose, and I don't care, because I'm free. And it taught me the lesson that uh, it's all very beautiful and the words are very lovely and the community is beyond words. But it's all about practice. Nothing more, nothing less. The great way is not difficult. It just avoids picking and choosing. So we're here in a very, uh, really very unusual situation. I've still been asking other people, do they have any reference for this? 
not only is this the first ever African-American Dharma retreat, it is also pan-tradition retreat. That is not common. I don't know (coughs) of any Western American pan-Buddhist retreat. Conferences, yes. Retreat, I can't recall. Anyone have one? Hmm. So, you know, as is our way, we are setting precedents already. (laughs) We are changing things. And we're here representing many different traditions, many different schools, many different methods. One way Just one way. Ralph spoke about learning about our temperament and my Virgo moon having temperament likes the precision of Zen. I don't privilege it. It's just my way. It's the beauty of it. It's the beauty of these teachings that they manifest and they unfold and they change and they present themselves over and over again in the form that is useful. Because if it's not useful, so what? So there are many different traditions here and I invite you to be curious about those many different traditions. Note these different folks in here. (coughs) Not just the leaders, practitioners as well. Note with curiosity the difference in sitting styles, bowing, when they bow. Some people bow to teachers, some people are bowing to, it looks like the wall, what's that about? Curious, be curious, you know, try it on even. Not because you ought to, because you might find something there. And if you don't, you know, put it aside, keep it moving, that's fine. But be curious first, because our habit, our current habit, is to hold on to what we know. So I'm down for all of it, you know. I see folks, I'm like, yeah, I like that. I'm going to try some of that on. And that's what keeps it alive, keeps the teachings alive, keeps them real. And tradition is, uh, well, tradition is a vehicle that transports us beyond our individual selves into a trans-temporal, trans-cultural vibe in which we share and connect with our ancestors and their ancestors and our future generations. Tradition binds us together and we partake in ritual just because because when our voices come together, we realize that in that togetherness, 
our collective voices in that chanting, in that song, is much more powerful and much more rhythmic than the sum of us as individuals. It's twice as much, trifold, tenfold. It's huge, it's big, it's... universal. So be curious. We talk about this, we toss this word around practice. And, uh, excuse me, let me just go back for one second. Many traditions are all doing one practice. Many different forms for waking up, for cultivating our awareness, self-cultivation of awareness, waking up and becoming enlightened, you know, being learning to be here, awareness, 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 waking up. Notice the differences, appreciate them for what they are, and realize it's it's one great way, it's the only way. And I don't mean the Buddha as in that individual way, I mean the only way that we have to be here is to be here, fully present, authentic, true to this nature, not that nature, not that nature, this nature, true, right here, not tomorrow, not yesterday. That's old news. I don't even know what that news is. Right now. It's really the only moment that matters. And we hear this, you know, they're making commercials out of this moment. (laughs) It's serious practice to be in this moment. There is a conspiracy, if you will, to drag you out of your attention. Everything is calling for it. Everything is desperate for your attention. Which should explain to you the value of it. It is the most precious thing that you have, is your attention. The advertisers are paying millions for it. Don't give it away. It's yours. Really notice how precious your ability to be present is. And it's something that you have, that you hold, 
and you can either let it flutter away or you can hold it. You can use the energy and the effort to hold it, to hold your attention. So this is a retreat and from the days, the the very first days of the Buddha, the purpose of the retreat was to create a space, a retreat from the many, many, many different things that call your attention and to refine them down into limited few so that you have the opportunity to cultivate this attention. This time is precious. And it's rare. You know, it's rare. And Noel said something yesterday in council, and we are holding council here. And I would just say that it is worth dying for, this cultivating your attention. Because if you don't, you're asleep anyway. You're just sleeping through this life that we have. So practice is very much about forming the habit of paying attention. And doing it in such a way that it requires us to break with our old habits of being, you know, busy. Because we're all busy. We've all got things to do. And spaces for retreat are even more important now in these modern times when we have so much pulling on us and our lives are just not simple. This is the time where we come together and we hold space and we hold each other and we say, I am going to support your practice. And the way that I'm going to do that is that I am going to practice. I am going to show up. And I keep using this phrase, show up, because it is the hardest part. If you don't show up, you cannot practice. You are not required to come (coughs) to the sits. You're not required to walk. You're not required to do any of it. But hell, you're not required to be awake. So what's your choice? You know? If you're here, be here. If you're here, show up. You can't get this moment back. 
that one I just, it's gone. I can't get that back. I know I have been there. And I'm still there. Quiet as kept. I want to sleep a little longer. I want to look at the trees. I want to enjoy this beautiful space. But my friends, my family, show up. It kind of works like this. You get here, you get on, you put your butt on the cushion, and then it's kind of too late to leave. You know, so there you are. And whether you have good sit, bad sit, that was hell. My knees are killing me. I'm itching. I'm sleepy. I'm tired. Why is he breathing that way? Folks are talking too much. You know, he's going on and on. Don't, she, don't they know that it's time to eat? <laughs> that is all practice. It's practice. That is practice. That's the practice. You think that's not? That is it. Once you get here, you're practicing. So just show up. I know, you don't have to. But you never do. Make a choice, you know. Make a choice and follow it. Carry it through. You came, you're here. Be here. I promise you there is nothing else better to do. Nothing. When you're here, your partner doesn't matter, your kids don't matter, your mama don't matter, your job doesn't matter. When you're here, be here. Show up. The great way is not difficult. It just avoids picking and choosing. Silence, no silence. Silence, talking, picking, choosing. Should we be silent? Should we be not silent? Mm. What's the difference? Practice, show up. When it is silent, be silent. Don't pick and choose. That is what it is. It's not getting it exactly the right way so I can sit just perfectly, no interruptions, no distractions, I can eat. And it's also not I can just talk and talk and it doesn't really matter and it's all just, it's none of those things. 
It's just what it is. <coughs> silence when there's silence. And if your being wants silence, nobody can take it away. <coughs> yes. Silence is delicious. And if you have a lot of noise in your head, it is, can be unbearable. Because then those voices, that noise, it just gets louder and louder and louder. And we're so used to the chatter around us blocking it out so that we don't have to face it, so that we don't have to deal with it. Mm. So those of you that are having a hard time with the silence, Practice it. Practice the hard time with the silence. Say it. Say, I'm having a hard time with this. And those of you that are having a hard time with the not silence, practice that. Because that is our life. You know, it's just what it is. They have this lovely word, Tathagatha, it means suchness, suchness, just as it is, like the weather, you know, there's just nothing you can do about it. You just wear the appropriate clothing. You don't decide, you know, I'm going to wear this halter top and, uh, you know, bikini, and it's winter outside. (laughs) That's what being authentic is about. That is what it's about. It's not magic, but it is. It's simply being present to the moment that is bringing your full self there. And walking the great way without picking or choosing. Don't get me wrong. I like lovely things. I chose this. You know. We're not talking about some sort of aspiration beyond our real lives. You know, this life is the one that matters. I'm sure we're reincarnated, we've been someone else, but this is the one that we know. This is the one that we are embodying, being in. So this is the one mm, that we have to practice. Let me tell you, when we're born, We're born because it's time to be born. If we had any clue what was out there, we'd be like, yo, 
<laughs> Can I push the reverse button on this? <laughs> but like babies, like newborns, we just, we're here now. And we have to live this life as it is, as it comes. Why? Because we are all Buddha. We don't practice to become Buddha. We practice because we are Buddha. It is simply a manifestation of who we are, as we are. And every time you show up, you are saying, I am Buddha. I am free. I am free. Every time you get on your cushion, you do your practice, you do your walking, you do your lying, you are saying, I am free. Not going to be, trying to be, hoping to be. I am free. This is it. If you're waiting for something to happen, it's not gonna. Hate to disappoint you. (laughs) This is it. The practice is it. Whatever the practice is, the silence, the noise, when you're practicing the noise, that is the practice. That is it. When you're practicing the discomfort, the loss, the pain, that is it. When you're practicing the joy, love, bliss, fascination, wonder, awe, that is it. And none of it is different from the next thing. Joy is just no better than suffering. It really isn't. Part of our ability to experience and know joy and appreciate it so deeply comes directly from our ability to know suffering. And when we shut suffering out, we shut out the joy. They're two sides of the same coin. Do we go looking for suffering? No. Do we go looking for joy? No. They just arise and we practice them as they are. And we get some of that pain and we notice it. And you know, immediately it's transformed We have situations like that in our lives, people like that in our lives, and we think, I just can't do anything about her. I can't do anything about him. It's so painful. I want to fix it, and I cannot. Notice it. 
pay attention. That's the gift we have to give. Pay attention. And if that's all you can do, that is enough. Every situation, every thought, every buzz through our mind is transformed when we notice it. You don't make it go away. You transform it by noticing it. So we practice, and we practice because we are Buddha. But how do we practice? You know, the Buddha did something that is uh, crucial. He had a decision to make at some point. The earth was his witness. He was enlightened and he knew. And he could have gone on his merry way. And I'm sure that there are Buddhas walking amongst us that are doing just that. They have gone. And they just keep it to themselves. So we are Buddha, but we are also The way that we practice is as bodhisattvas. We stay here. We stay with our families or our community. If we are home leavers, we are staying with our communities. And we work with the dirt and the muck and the offensive material of this life. We stay here and we work to transform it. What the Buddha did that was, was, was crucial is that he taught. He made the decision to share his teaching, his understanding. And that is the first act, the most important gift, generosity, dana giving. He gave until he was 80. He gave. He shared his understanding. And that's all that we can do, is share our understanding. And it is what we must do. And I want to say that particularly as black folks, walking on this way. We have a responsibility to be bodhisattvas in the world. We have a responsibility to save all beings. Not just ourselves not just our families, not just our communities, not just the ones that we know love for, 
all beings. I used to cringe at the thought of that. You know, there were a few folks I could say, let him go. (laughs) We'll be all right without him. not true. And when you touch that realization that it is impossible, impossible to let any one of us go, it will break your heart wide open. And we know about burdens, you know, we know about carrying burdens. But this carrying is the burdenless burden. When you practice, and you practice this holding space for all beings, (coughs) rough and otherwise, becomes part of your own wisdom and you cannot turn away from that wisdom. You can no longer turn away from any being because you understand that to turn away from any being is to turn away from a part of yourself. There is nothing, and I say I mean nothing, that is manifest in this world that is not a part of us. We've got it somewhere. That's why it frightens us, repels us. We cringe, we move away, we have aversion because we have fear about the place in us that holds that. And the only way to put some medicine on that fear, the only way to relieve that, is to reach out and touch it and hold it. Say, I'll take that too. And we have to allow our whole selves, our full selves, every bit, ugly, ugly, ugly. We have some ugly thoughts, don't we? (sighs) Scare me. (laughs) 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 Judging, discriminating, separating. To that, needs that. I wish that. Why isn't it like that? And I'm just distracting myself from myself. Busy, busy, busy. But the curiosity, the 
curiosity invites all of it in. What is that about? Not how do I make it go away, what is that about? How do I find that bush part in me, you know, and work on it? Work on it. Because if I eliminate it in me, it cannot manifest anyplace else. It cannot. It will not. We have to hold the whole thing. We have to hold all of it. Because it is what is here. It is suchness. It is this. This is what it is. We have to hold all of it. (coughs) And when you start shaving off little old parts, any little old part, you end up incomplete. You are not whole. So I invite you to show up. Take it all in. All of your complaints, your worries, your fears, your fears that it might not go right, your fears that it will go right, all of it. Take it all in. Breathe it in. Transform it. If you don't breathe it all in, you might leave some behind and it won't be transformed. Breathe it all in. Your in-breaths takes it all in. And what you breathe out on your out-breath, it's not changed, it's transformed. Change is different. We could use some change, but you know, everything changes. So that happens, change. Change happens. We ain't got nothing to do with that. But transformation, transforming, is a gift and a blessing that we have and a possibility every time we show up. Get here. Breathe in. Breathe out. Transformation. Mm. Butterflies don't become caterpillars again. That's the difference. You know. 
So I, I invite you to be curious. And I encourage you with all my heart to show up and just practice. The great way is not difficult. It just avoids picking and choosing. May you all be happy and healthy and share your wisdom. I love you all. Slightly to my chagrin, if we'll take just a, I, I riled on. <laughs> and so uh, there's not a great deal of time for uh, questions. We'd like everyone to have a break and get to walk around. And so may I suggest that those of you that um, feel compelled to ask questions, you can stay and perhaps the people that feel a need to go and just take a moment and if you need to go, please just do so quietly. And then we'll have a shorter, a slightly shorter break. If you're staying, we will. We'll, I will let you. We, I will let you free. <laughs> so you will. You will get some some break. I, I thank you for staying. Uh, and so, if there are any questions, Mm. And uh, I've been practicing Buddhism for 14 years still, and uh, still practicing. Mm. <laughs> still, and, uh, 
I do a combination of meditation and chanting. And I find um, I'm doing more meditation now um, because of trying to seem to act it. And to be that um, you know, life is not a big distraction. So I guess my question is what? I don't really know how to do that. I guess I can still probably practice on it, but I wonder. Um, do that in your life, you know, the active Let me first say that I have um, watched you here being still. So you are certainly practicing being still. And I am extremely energetic and busy. But when it is winter, I put my coat on. And when it is summer, I don't. The only difference is the attention to the busyness. You know? We're just not going to not be busy, most of us. That's just true. We're not going to not be busy somewhere in our lives. You got kids? You're going to be busy. But can you notice the busyness? The moment that you notice the busyness, it is transformed and it is practice. You just look at it and you go, I'm busy. <coughs> Phew. And then you say, Oh, that was practice. Yes. Um, I, I'm learning a lot about the teacher and me, um, and I'm not sure I'm ready yet for 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 a teacher outside of me, for a guide, for someone more experienced. But I'm getting a lot closer, hmm. and I do believe that when I get there, someone may just. <coughs> but but short of that faith. Was there something that, that you did or that you could suggest to I got really sure of myself. My practice was really good. I sat really well. I was really disciplined. It was time for a teacher. <laughs> and you know... You do have teachers all along. And I understand what you mean about that specific guide. And let me say that that, I, 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 I was, um, you know, I'm still a rebel. I was rebellious and believed, wanted to believe that that was not necessary. That is not true. 
some kind of spiritual friend is unbelievably helpful. And you never get a teacher for them. You get a teacher for you. And you get all you can out of that teacher. You just squeeze every bit of it. And even when you realize that they may not be your teacher for the rest of your life, you, you know, it's like you're thirsty and you have a few oranges, you get every drop of juice you can. And that orange might be a little, you know, wrinkly the way they get, a little little dried up, (laughs) a little bit. But they've got some juice in them, you get that juice out of them. This is especially important for us, you know, because we have, we are in communities where teachers are largely white. So what? Get it out of them. Whatever they've got to give, just juice them. I invite you to create a community so that you can have questions and you can encourage the other very, very important part of this teaching, which is great doubt. Discrimination. You be as unrelenting with that teacher as you would with a partner, more so. You hold them to the highest standard you can. But when you drink that juice, they can't get it back out of you. <laughs> Bet you they can't. Commercially sexually exploited girls in Atlanta, and I just know the impact that Eastern thought has had in my life, and I'd really like to share this with them. So I'm wondering if you all, any of the teachers, know about any curriculums or just ways to do that with kids. The, um, the evidence of the dynamic, the, li- the, the life of this practice is how young folks are practicing, how many young folks are practicing. So the younger people we have practicing, the more indication that is of how dynamic this is. When you get up in a room and it's just a bunch of, you know, oh, 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 folks, And that's it. Nothing wrong with that, but that's it. You need to question that. You know, because young folks go where it's good. They go with what is right. No bullshit. 
They don't care. They're going to go with, with a spiritual practice, something that's, you know, takes a little work. They're going to go with what's right. So I fully encourage you to certainly introduce practice, teachings, practice. And yes, I'm sure that there are several of us that have done work in different communities. I go once a week to uh, a juvenile center in uh, in the city, in in, uh, New York City, Uh, both what used to be Spofford, one of the worst youth detention centers. And they love it. They resist every time. And they love it. And you will, if you go with good intention and share what you have available, even before you get a curriculum, just share your own experience. And if you are willing to learn from them as much as you are willing to share what you have and to meet them eye to eye, not, I'm up here, and I'm teaching you down there or something. Meet them eye to eye. Their language. Mm-hmm. You know. Absolutely. Hmm. You put a note on the board, we will share some resources with you. Hmm. Thank you so much for your practice. Some old Chinese dude, you know. <laughs> Mianzi, Mianzi, uh, you know, Zen is is a particular strain of, of Buddhist practice and uh, tradition. It has a great deal of Taoism in it. And um, one of the very lovely things, it also has the Japanese cultivated appreciation for nature. And so I bet you that that is a Taoist quote. Hmm? Mm. Is there a self that is avoiding thinking and choosing, or is there no self? Cessation of self automatically is not thinking and choosing. Who cares? No difference. Mm. Particularly for newness of love. 
There's no such thing as forgiveness of others. There is only forgiveness of yourself. The pain and the disappointment I believe that we experience is very, very complexly wrapped up in our own expectations, our own desires and hopes for what other people will be, can be. We want them to be, desperately want them to be. And the only way I believe that you can set yourself free is to forgive yourself for holding those expectations and desires and hopes so tightly that you experience pain when someone else is not able to live up to them. So my definition of forgiveness is freedom. Is that helpful? Just one more, please. discover in the sit is the challenge to show up in the morning. And um, I, I, I just want to say I appreciate acknowledging that because I felt guilty because I'm not consistent because it's so hard. And I thought it was my imagination and I thought that I'm not doing something right because this is hard. <laughs> It's really, really hard. And it's hard because I sit with me. Mm. And I sit with the sufferings that I experience and the sufferings of others and then to hold it. Mm. And the willingness to hold and sit. Mm. And sit. So my physical disability and um, uncomfortability are nothing there's no compassion. So I just want to know how to show up and sit consistently. I, I, I fall off sometimes. So I don't know if you need to give me some uh, suggestions, maybe. Don't fall off so much. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
When you fall, get back up. That's all there is. Falling happens. It happens to all of us. Some of us are falling while we're sitting on the cushion. You know, so don't make any distinctions. Some, you know, we might look good sitting up here, but there's lots of ways to fall. So that expands that notion of showing up. And I think you said it best, to show up even more. After you show up, then show up for showing up. Just get back up. Falling is okay. There's that too. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.